here in Genesis 22, God says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Already five verses into this thing, we see the faith of Abraham. We see the faith in his response to say, I don't know, God, what you, I know I heard you. I know you asked me to do this thing. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'll, I'll respond to the request. I'll respond to what you've asked me to do. And notice his statement right here. We will worship and return to you. Sometimes faith is making statements in the middle of a storm. Sometimes functioning in faith is just saying, you know what? I see what the news is saying, but God is still in control. I see what I'm reading on Twitter, but you know what? God is still the creator of the universe and I am his creation. I know that God had promised me something. He has promised me a word. I've been waiting for a long time and all I can see, it's bleak, it's stormy, and I don't know how God is going to answer this prayer, but the response of faith is always, I know he will do it. I've seen him do it before. I've seen him do it in other people's lives. I've seen him answer prayers. And so the response is, well, we're just going to go worship and return to you. I don't know if Abraham really believed it, but he was saying it. We'll worship and return to you. Abraham took the the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. That's a good dad putting his son to work. And he took his hand, he took in his hand, the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, uh, dad, he said, here I am, son. He said, um, I see the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Verse nine, then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Somewhere in the journey up the mountain, Abraham realizes, I got to have the conversation. I haven't had to these last three days. I made a couple faith statements. We're going to return. Somewhere along the line, he had to tell Isaac, I'm being obedient to God. I'm I'm going to do this. And Abraham is having the tough conversation with Isaac. And somehow, I don't know where Isaac was in the conversation, but I have to think that Isaac probably saw the tears in his dad's eyes and the fumbled words to know that this was not of his own derision. This was not of his own mind. He was being obedient to God. And Isaac could see that. So Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The angel says, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now, I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and behold, 
behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Faith is our function. Faith as a working definition, faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. I don't see it yet, but I have faith that God is there in the midst of what I'm walking through. The Bible talks about that we as believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? That means sometimes we're taking steps forward even though we can't see where we're going. The story of Abraham is so interesting because God, it, it all begins with a faith step. God comes to Abraham. He's living in a place called Ur, and what a terrible city name. He's living in a place called Ur, and God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham's like, yo, this is great. Okay, so the first thing that you got to do is you got to move away from your family, move away from your comfort zone, move out of the this place that you've known, the familiarity, move out and I, to a land that I'm going to show you. So Abraham's like, this is, this is honestly the greatest thing I've ever experienced. This is so cool, God. Thanks for telling me this. Just let me know, what address do I put in Google Maps? And God's like, no, 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 just get on the road and start driving. And Abraham's like, I understand that, but also like, where am I supposed to go? Like, I got to put an address in. Where, where are you taking me? And God's just like, no, 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 get in the car and go get in the car. And because why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. The title of today's message is running on faith. And I want to talk about that concept today, running on faith. You can run on empty, you can run on fumes, or you can run on faith. You can run on your own strength. You can run on your own ability, or you can choose to run on faith and let the power of the Holy Spirit work in you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God guide you in your life. I'm not, I, I'm saying today, I don't want to run on empty. I don't want to run on fumes. I want to run on faith, running on faith, run on faith. I remember when, um, a couple years ago, I went to this concert and uh, it was a great concert, loved it. And uh, I went to this concert and it was at an amphitheater during the summer. And as you know, most concerts that happen at, a, at an amphitheater during the summer are amphitheaters that are pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So as I'm driving out there, I see that my car is getting very close to being on empty, but I'm running behind and there's traffic again. It's just like a two lane road out into the middle of nowhere to see, to go to this concert. And so I just think to myself, I got enough gas to get there. And then when I get there, you know, I'll enjoy the concert and I'll just find a gas station on the way home. Well, as I'm leaving the concert, it was a great concert, enjoyed it, sang my lungs out, lost my voice. It was amazing. If you're wondering, it was Blink-182's reunion tour. <laughs> like, that's so trash that I went to a Blink-182 concert. But I loved Blink-182 growing up, still love them, don't judge me. But I remember I'm coming out to the gravel lot, like this field at this amphitheater, and I begin to see the traffic getting out. Now, this is an amphitheater in the middle of nowhere, and 
it only had one exit. So here I am, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh man, I'm sitting in traffic and now I'm like, I'm on E, am I gonna have enough gas to even get out of this parking lot and then make it to a gas station miles and miles away? So I'm doing what everybody does. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm turning off the air conditioning rolling down my, my window. I like stopped playing music and I was like, playing music from my phone, putting the phone in the cup holder. You know how it goes, right? And then, and then I'm putting my car in neutral while I'm waiting. I finally make it out of the parking lot. I follow the cars back to the highway. And by the grace of God, I find a gas station and I'm able to fill up with gas. But that's sort of sometimes how the life of faith works. Sometimes you find yourself scheming ways. Okay, I got I to gotta figure out how I'm going to get through this. And I'm gonna, I got to figure out what, what's going to happen here. And, and what about this situation? And I'm facing this over here. And, and all of a sudden, you feel like I'm running on fumes. I'm running on empty. I don't have enough brain space to be able to figure out what's going to happen here. I, I'm, I'm all out, God. But the life of faith, the function of faith says, no, 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 no. Even in the midst of this, 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 what I'm reading here, the function of faith says, no, I'm going to choose to run on faith. I'm going to choose to trust in God. I'm going to choose today to make sure that I'm running on faith and not on empty, not on fumes. Abraham is such an interesting story because his life is a life of running on faith. He gets the call. You're going to be father of many nations. He doesn't have a son at this point, but he, he's going to be a father of many nations. And God is like, oh, or Abraham's like, oh, okay, great, great. And so maybe the promise is going to come next year. Like by this time next year, I'm going to have a kid. Next year rolls around, doesn't have a kid. All right, all right. Maybe by this time next year, right? 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm, I, I got this, right? I'm telling my connect group. I'm, in, I, I'm telling my friends. They're all praying. And we're all fasting together. Year three comes along. All right? Still praying, still fasting, still waiting, still believing God. Okay, I'm still here. We got this. Year 10 comes along. Year 11. Abraham and Sarah are looking around the village, and they're seeing, oh, well, so-and-so just had kid number seven. Couldn't spare one. Oh, so-and-so, my nephew over here, praise God, 18 years old, just had a kid. Great, awesome. Thanks so much, God. Still waiting. Year 16 rolls along. Year 17. How many fasts did Abraham and Sarah do before year 18 where they're like, fam, I don't want to fast anymore. At this rate, I'm just going to eat. Year 19, 20, 21 rolls along. All the while, Abraham and Sarah, they're still praying. They're still running on faith. In this 25-year journey, what's so interesting is that we begin to see Abraham's success and we begin to see Abraham's failures. Many times in this 25-year journey, he makes mistakes. He fails. He lets his family down. He lets his kids down. He lets, sorry, not his kids, the you know, people in the village down. He lets everybody around him down. But every single time he makes a mistake, God brings him out, says, look up at the stars, and reminds him of the promise. Reminds him of the promise. Reminds him of what he's called him to. Reminds him of, hey, I got this. I'm in control. 
Just keep running on faith. Keep running on faith. Keep, keep pursuing me. I love that Abraham makes the decision to say, faith is a function that I'm just going to continue to walk in. I think when I was reading this story, I, I, I began to think just even of myself, even of myself, how many times have I idolized the dreams and the words of God that he's spoken to me in the past? How many times have I idolized what God, God, you promised this to me. I'm waiting on this. God, I know you're going to provide. But how many times have I idolized the promise at the expense of everybody around me? How many times have I said, I'm doing this in the name of sacrifice. I'm sacrificing time with my wife. I'm sacrificing moments and walks that I could have had with my daughter Vivian. Because in the name of the promise and in the name of faith being my function, I decided to idolize the dream. I decided to idolize the word that I'd heard from God. And it took me away from my present reality. How many times did Abraham have moments where he idolized the promise and it messed with his faith? It messed with the function of his faith. I don't know where you stand today and what you're believing God for, but if I can encourage you in this, don't idolize the dream. Don't idolize the promise. It's there. God is going to do it. I believe it. I'm believing with you. I'll fast with you. But if I can tell you something, don't idolize it. Don't make it an idol in your life that this is all that I have. This is all that's ahead. No, don't, don't idolize it. Go to the one who is the promise giver. Here at Zoe, we've made a decision that we don't have faith in the promise. We have faith in the promise giver. And that's Jesus. So today, as we jump in, I just want to share four things about not, not running on empty, not running on fumes. But talking today just around this subject that how does faith become a function in our everyday life? The everyday waiting, the everyday conversations, the everyday, okay, I got to get up and go to work. All right, I got to have another conversation with my coworker, another to-do list around the house, another kid crying, another, uh, 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 another promise and another day gone by. How do we still live a life of running on faith, even in the midst of the everyday mundane things? The first thing is, number one, faith provides a perspective, even when I can't see it. Faith provides the perspective of even when I can't see it. Abraham, every single time he makes a decision that's wrong, every failure, God brings him out and gives him the perspective of heaven. Gives him the perspective, hey, hold on, Abraham. I, no, 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 I have called you. You are going to have a son. You are going to bless the nations. You are going to be a blessing to the whole world. Just remember, I know you made this mistake with Hagar. I know you made this mistake in Egypt. I know you made this mistake with Abimelech. But I'm telling you, look up at the stars because that's the promise right there. You're going to be the father of many nations. That's the promise. Just look up. How many times, you know, do we need to just stop what we're doing and have some quiet time with God? 
That's why I love church. That's why I love being online because it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to receive a perspective of heaven, to receive the perspective of God, to remember that though my kid might be off not living for the Lord, my perspective is that Jesus is still in control. That as I'm praying for my marriage, as I'm praying that God would restore us, that, that my failure is not final and that God is still working. I have faith that God God is going to meet me and my spouse here and that he will restore our marriage. As I'm waiting on a job, as I'm waiting on applications, as I'm waiting on auditions, as I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, I want to have the perspective of heaven. I want to be in a connect group. I want to be in church on Sunday. I want to be watching online. I want to be listening to worship music. I want to be in prayer. I want to, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. I want to be in some quiet time. I need to go for a run. I need to look up at the stars. Hard to do here in LA, but I want to look up at the stars. Why? Because it gives me a perspective of heaven. Even when I cannot see what God is doing, it gives me the perspective that he's still there, that my faith is still growing, that my faith is still perfecting. What I love about God is God says that he will perfect, confirm, establish, and strengthen us. That word for perfect is not perfect, like you got to be perfect to come to church or you got to be perfect for Jesus. No, it's actually a word that's used when God forms creation. In other words, you are the workmanship of God. You are, he is the craftsman and he is molding you. He is the potter and we are the clay. When we, he is, you know, when we live the life of faith, the life of faith is saying, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't, you know, God, you're still working in me. You're still, you're still perfecting me. You're still perfecting me. And it, and it takes the pressure off. You know how I'm able to run by faith? Because I realize the pressure's not on me. It's not on me. It's not my responsibility to perfect myself. It's not my responsibility to answer the prayer request. It's not my responsibility to save so-and-so. All my responsibility is is to look up Receive the presence, receive the perspective, receive from Jesus his perspective, the perspective of faith. And that helps me keep going. That helps me when I move forward. Number two, see, we see that faith provides perspective even when I can't see it, but faith keeps moving forward even when I don't feel like it. How many times did Abraham wake up in those 25 years? of waiting and not want to keep going. You know what? It's just easier if I just throw in the towel. It's just easier if I just say, God, this was fun and dandy and this was really cool, but you know what? Uh, maybe you can bless somebody else. You know, maybe somebody else can do this whole thing. You know what? I'm out. I'm 85 years old. I don't need this in my life anymore. You know, the things old people say, right? It's like, I don't need this anymore. I'm old. I've lived life. I don't need this kind of, I don't need faith to be grown in me. I've lived life. I've experienced life. I've had a business. I've had marriages. I've had kids. I've fill in the blank. How many times do we get to a point where it's like, I don't, I don't need this anymore. I don't, I'm just going to throw in the towel. Faith keeps moving forward even when I don't feel like it. Part of the great thing of being a parent is I get to tell my kids what to do and they can't say anything about it. Like I remember growing up, my dad would, you know, we'd be sitting there on a Saturday and my dad would look outside and he'd look out the window and he'd look around and he'd say, you know what? The lawn needs to be mowed. And I would look back and I would say, it does. And he would say, all right, 
go out there and mow the lawn. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I don't want to mow the lawn right now. It's my Saturday. But part of being a parent is a great thing. Now that I'm a parent, I love it because I can tell my kids to do it and they can't say anything about it. But God is not a God that's up in heaven saying, oh, do you know what, Chad? Just do this and, uh, you know, live with it. He's not a God that's up in heaven saying, you know what? Uh, I, I'm just going to have you walk through this and I'm not going to be with you in, in, in it while you're walking through it. God is not a God in heaven that's just asking us to do stuff at whim. No, he has intention. He has purpose. Everything that we're walking through is growing our faith is growing our belief is helping our relationship with Jesus faith keeps me moving forward even when I don't want to as a church we've had to do this as a church we've walked through many tough times even within the last year as you yourself have but we just made the decision whether it be online whether it be in person whether we have to shut the doors we're just going to say we're moving in faith we're moving in faith God you're still in control God you still you told us to be here in LA so we're planted here in LA no matter what happens no matter what we read on the news we still have faith to keep moving forward so if it's the doors have to shut on Sundays. Great. We'll serve groceries to people on Wednesdays. If we can't be meeting uh, in connect groups in person, great. We'll do it on Zoom because we're a church that's committed to faith being our function. And that keeps us moving forward. Faith provides the perspective even when I can't see it, but faith keeps me moving forward even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't want to, even when I can't see the promise and I'm just tired. I'm just tired. You ever feel that? The exhaustion of faith. Number three, faith keeps me moving, keeps me running, even when I'm on fumes. Faith keeps me running, even when I'm on fumes. You ever been exhausted by faith? You ever feel like faith let you down? Do you ever feel like I've had so much faith only to not see the promise, only to not see what I'm having faith for, even to get the doctor's report back. And oh, cancer's still there. Oh man, still not pregnant. Oh man, didn't get the job. Oh man, didn't get into that school. Ever feel exhausted by the fasting and the praying and the faith and the daily walk of faith functioning in our lives? Faith keeps me running even when I'm on fumes. In Abraham and Sarah's own strength, they couldn't do it. They made mistakes. They looked for other alternatives, and it left them exhausted. Because in this life, we can't do this on our own strength. We can't. We're no match for it. We're no match for our sin. We're no match for the things that we're facing every day without Jesus. Faith keeps me running because, again, I'm not, I'm not living from sign to sign, wonder to wonder, miracle to miracle. I'm living every day saying, Jesus, my faith is in you. I'm not living promise to promise. I'm saying, okay, this promise happened. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't change my faith. If this, if this bad thing happens, it happens. I will mourn for it. I'll be surrounded in community. But it doesn't change who my faith is in. Faith keeps me running 
even when I'm on fumes. I love Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Some translations say imagine. And sometimes we just stop there. We stop there with the verse and we say, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine. And we go to God and we say, God, okay, do far more abundantly beyond all that I can ask, think, or imagine. But we don't read the end of the verse, which is the most powerful part of the verse, according to the power that works within us. There's power in you. There's the Holy Spirit is within you. Jesus is walking with you every step of the way. What keeps me running on faith is the Holy Spirit. What keeps me moving forward is the Holy Spirit. What helps my perspective have a perspective of heaven is the Holy Spirit because he's guiding me. He's walking with me. He's showing me how he does it. He's showing me in the dark times of my life that God is for me. He's showing me on the mountaintops and in the valleys that God is with me. He's walking with me every step of the way. How do I keep running on faith? It's because I do it according to the power that works within me. How do we, how do we keep running? How do we keep doing this? It's by faith. It's faith in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Faith is the vehicle that kept Abraham going up the mountain. It kept him going up the mountain. It kept him, kept him moving forward. I want to ask you today, what's on fumes in your life today? What are you looking at in your life today saying, this is on fumes, and if God doesn't like meet me here now, I don't know what's going to happen. In 2016, we moved here in January of 2015, Natalie and I, my wife, we moved here and, um, to help be a part of Zoe and help plant the church. And in 2016, at the very end of 2016, we had run out of all of our money. We were, we were just broke. Um, we, I didn't know that you could double draft your, overdraft your account. Like I didn't know that banks let you do that, but apparently they do. And so at the end of 2016, I remember Natalie and I sitting down with Pastor Chad and Pastor Julia and, and saying to them, we're probably going to have to move home. Like there's just no way that we can make it. We were fully on fumes. We were fully on fumes in that moment. And I remember having a conversation and praying with Pastor Chad and Pastor Julia and the faith and the encouragement that they, they said to us that night, the encouragement of keep your faith in God. No matter what happens, if you do have to move home, let it be, let it be unto the Lord and continue walking forward. Keep moving forward. Maybe it is in his plan. But if you are here, then let's, let's dial down in some faith and let faith function in our lives. Obviously, I'm here today. We, it worked. We, we doubled down on some faith and let faith be the function in our life. But I remember that conversation so vividly because I remember being on fumes. I remember being on fumes. What's on fumes in your life today? What can we give to Jesus and just say, God, if you don't answer this, then I don't know what's gonna happen. I need the power of your Holy Spirit in my life today. I need the power and the reminder, and I need you to take me outside and, and let me look up at the stars and be reminded of your good grace and to be reminded of your voice and to be reminded of the things. God, I need some people to come into my life today and refresh me. I need some refreshment. I need some positive encouragement. I need somebody to encourage me with the word of God. If this is this service, praise God. Let it encourage you. 
keep running on that faith. Keep running. Faith keeps me running even when I'm on fumes. And then last but not least, faith remains close to Jesus even when I want to distance myself. Faith remains close to Jesus even when I want to distance myself. This story of Abraham, I've read it. I, I grew up in church, so, you know, they, they talk about this story a lot when you're growing up in church and Sunday school and in sermons. I've heard, I've heard this story my, my whole life. Um, but it was when I was studying for this, for this message, um, I got really irritated. I got really irritated by, by this. Because I thought to myself, as, you know, now as a dad, I thought to myself, what a horrible request. Like Abraham, I, sometimes I, I sit back and I think about the stories in the Bible and I'm like, that's, what? Here's this man that lived the life of faith, that stayed faithful, that left when God called him to leave, that, that stayed faithful through the 25 years, that gave his life to saying, you know what, I'm gonna run on faith and I'm not gonna run on my own accord. I'm gonna stay connected to God. Like here's a guy that just said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going all in on you. Like I'm running on faith. Even when I make mistakes, even when I can't see what's going on, even when I don't have heaven's perspective, even when I'm running on fumes, I'm still choosing to put my faith in you. What a... What a hard request. And I found myself getting upset for Abraham. God, how could you ask him to do this? He waited years and years and years for this promise. And you come to him and have the audacity to ask him to sacrifice his son? I just thought about myself. I have two boys, Vincent and Harvey, and I have two girls, Vivian and Ellis. And I thought to myself, what if God came and made that request to me? Like, that's, are you serious, God? This can't be. This can't be the same Bible that has God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. This can't be the same Bible that has Jesus is our peace. This can't be the same Bible that says that the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts. Like this can't be the same Bible that has promises and promises and promises and promises of hope and forgiveness and love. This can't be the same Bible. God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. And I struggled with that. I said, man, that's terrible. That's, that's hard to comprehend. And I just think about, I think about Abraham. I think about Abraham when God came to him and said, all right, this is, this is, this is it. This is the test. Did Abraham get up that morning? earlier before Sarah and leave with Isaac so that he didn't have to look his wife in the eyes and lie to her? Like, did he get up and just say, you know what, I'm getting up before Sarah gets up because I know she's going to ask me where we're going. It'd just be easier for me to just get up before she gets up, grab Isaac, grab the, t the, the, the two servants and, and, and get the donkey and just take off. Did Abraham on day one of this three-day journey to the mountain. Did Abraham on day one, how many times, how many hours, how many minutes did Abraham sleep? I, I don't know about you, if I was on my way to that, I probably wouldn't be sleeping. I probably wouldn't be eating. Did Abraham not eat for three days? Did he not sleep for three days? When Isaac was asking him, 
hey, uh, where's the lamb? I see the wood, I see the fire. Where's, where's the lamb at? Did, how many times did Abraham have to dodge the question? Have to, add, you know, maybe, maybe he even lied and maybe he even just said, you know what, we'll see when we get there. Maybe he made up some excuses and said, you know what, when we get there, we'll find the lamb. When we get up the mountain, we'll find the lamb. So it's day three, he wakes up, he probably hasn't slept. He says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. No. He's got on his mind the stress and the anxiety of what God has asked him to do. And he goes and he leaves the servants and the donkey and he says, the boy and I, we're going up this mountain to worship and we will return to you. I don't know if he believed that statement, but he sure said it and he goes up and along the way, Abraham is there and Isaac and Isaac's finally like, all right, at some point they have this conversation and I can just imagine as a dad, tears streaming down my face saying, hey man, this is it. This is what God has asked us to do. The frustration, the confusion, the doubt. God, you gave me this promise. You told me this and you're asking me to do this? I just, I can't, I can't fathom it. I, I just doesn't make sense to me. And so Abraham finally has the conversation with Isaac. And I can imagine as he's built an altar and he's got this altar here with rocks on it. And, 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 and he's telling Isaac, how humiliating as a father to tie the rope around his son. How humiliating would it have been to say, God, this is my only son that you promised. I waited, I fasted, I prayed. And here I am, and I'm tying my son to an altar? Here he picks up the knife, and he's ready. And I would imagine that he's probably, he's probably taking a few moments to take a few deep breaths to say, if I just take a, maybe a few breaths, maybe God will intervene. You remember counting down where you'd go five, four, three, two, one and a half, one and a quarter, one point five. Like, is is he is he trying? Is he waiting? Is he? And, and in the in the in that moment, in that moment, an angel comes and says, "Abraham, stop! Abraham, stop! I see now that you care more about God and your relationship with Him than the promise." And I'd ask you today. You ever feel, ever been in a situation where you feel like God is asking you to sacrifice something that you're like, what? This can't be. You promised this and now you're asking me to give it up? It goes back to, have we idolized the things that were the promises more than the God who gave us the promise? And I began to after moments of frustration, I began to think to myself, it, it makes sense in a way. That altar, this, this, this altar, the ram that's in the thicket, Isaac, they're all pictures of Jesus. 
They're all pictures of what God would do to his own son for our sin and for our shame and for our hope of eternal life and for us to be able to put our faith in Jesus, for us to be able to have the abundant life. It took God sending his only son to die on a cross for our sin, for our shame. And I, and I got this picture in that moment and it made sense to me that the altar was for me that the cross was for me. That this whole picture is a picture of what God did for me. That I deserved to be on that altar. That that altar was reserved for me. That the cross that Jesus bore, that he bore our sin and our shame and he went to the grave, that was for me. I was supposed to be on that. But Jesus steps in and he says, no, I've got this. And, and, and the father steps in and he says, no, I have a plan of salvation that you don't have to do this. And I'm sitting here like, no, 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 this doesn't make any sense. Like this has got to be for me. This was reserved for me. Some of us may think we don't deserve the promise. We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve his goodness. And God steps in and says, you know what? Um, I don't care, move out of the way. This cross is for me to bear, it's not for you to bear. And we may be standing here like, no, 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 this doesn't make sense. This, this altar was reserved for me. This cross was reserved for me. And Jesus steps in and says, no, it's for me. Some of us may be out there saying, you know what, thank you God, because I didn't really want to get on that altar and I didn't really want to get on that cross. And Jesus says, I did it for you. I did it for you, for your sin, for your mistakes, for your failures, past, present, and future. Your sin is covered through Jesus because he got up on the altar and he got up on the cross and he said, you know what? I, even for those that don't believe, even those for those who don't want to believe, my life is here as a ransom and a sacrifice for many. He got on the altar, he got on the cross. And I thought to myself, this, it's not as infuriating as, as it once was. Because I can see the picture that God is painting here for us, that the Father loves you and I so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. And all we have to do, we, all we gotta do is just believe and put our faith in Jesus. We don't distance ourselves away. We, we acknowledge the sin. We acknowledge the shame and we bring it to the one who said, I took it for you. Don't worry about it. You don't have to get up on the altar. You don't have to get up on the cross for something you committed. I did it for you. All we've got to do is just look up at the stars and gain the perspective of heaven that says, Jesus died for my sins. He loves me. He's for me. He's with me every step of the way. He's with me every step of the way. It has, it always will be Jesus to sustain us. It, it is all that matters. And I would ask you today, through the tough doctor's reports, through the failed applications, through the failures maybe in a marriage, through the failures with your kids, do you have 
the faith in Jesus that says, I won't let the mistakes of my past define my present and define my future, but I'm going to God, I'm going to Jesus to say, I'm no match for my sin, I'm no match for my failures, I'm no match for my mistakes, but I know somebody who is. His name is Jesus, and he loves me, and he's for me, and he's able to sustain me, and he got up on an altar, and he got up on a cross, and he rose again on the third day and conquered sin and death. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Galatians 2.20, I leave you with this verse. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The only response, the only response is to just give our lives to Jesus. You've done all of this for me. And my only response is, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender my heart. I surrender my mind. I surrender my, my spirit, my will, my emotions, my decisions, my attitude, my spirit, my body. It all belongs to you because of what you did for me on that cross that day. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just let, just let Jesus have it. Just let Jesus have it. Just let him have it today. Let him sustain you. Run on faith. Don't run on your own ability. Don't run on, don't let failures define you. Run on some faith today.